Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everybody to drive through HR. It is um, Tuesday, October 29th. It's almost Halloween, and I I know it's almost Halloween because um, my co-host Mike Vandervoort has been posting picture after picture of himself <laughs> as a zombie and a mummy and yeah. everything else. <laughs> I have a witch. Uh, but the red, the red lipstick might be too much. So I have a, I had a witch I was going to put up, but I skipped that. Hey, Robin, it's, uh, it is almost uh, Halloween, and that's as close as I come to dressing up as I, I put uh, filters on my picture on Facebook. So, yeah, they're, they're fun. Uh, no real costume, no parties this year, no. <laughs> so, anyway, it's been a minute since I've been on drive through. How are you? I uh, I am good, and you've uh, you you're excused because you've been busy because you had your um, your Q conference. So um, all of my all accounts that went fabulously. Yeah, it was it was a, it was uh, we we were aspiring to hit 300. We had 296 registered registered attendees, so slightly below our target, but uh, a very good conference, a very good venue, and off the strip in New Orleans and we had, everyone seemed to have a great time. So yeah, uh, five, seven, 15 hour days and then three days to sleep and then New York city for a couple <laughs> of days. And now I'm, I think I'm done traveling for the year, except maybe for some fun travel. So anyhow, good to be back. Excellent. And uh, we got a big show here today, I guess. We do have a big show and uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this because I think we're going to get into a, a meaty conversation. Um, it's really, really, really focused on HR and HR leaders, um, HR as hiring managers themselves for their own teams, and wrapping back into that um, HR professionals as job seekers and candidates. So our guest, who um, I just think is one of the most delightful and, you know, humorous and super smart recruiters out there um is laura mazula laura welcome thank you so much robin and mike i'm very excited for this today and i appreciate your kind words we definitely have a lot of good stuff to talk about on this topic i I think we do so uh so uh (laughs) our, our kickoff question very apropos since we're you know talking about uh interviews and to some degree um failed interviews uh, when it comes to it is tell us about yourself 
Of course. I'm happy to. Thank you for asking. I don't often get asked my own story, so happy to share. Uh, so I launched my own business, Eastside Staffing, six and a half years ago. So I specialize solely in the permanent placement of experienced HR pros here in the New York City area. I've been recruiting for 16 years, specifically for HR since 2007, so for the last 12 years. Um, definitely my passion, and it's been a lot of fun to continue to see HR evolve um, constantly. Yeah, there, there's, um, there's, there's big truth in that. The evolution of HR um, over over the years, over the decades that I've worked at HR, um, yeah, seeing seeing the change and. And and then when we think about sort of the, um, you know, a traditional HR professional, um, you know, my my question, my leadoff question for you, is there such a thing as, as a tradition, you know, the traditional, typical, perhaps it's a better word, HR professional? Um, not that long ago, you told me a story about um, an HR leader who disqualified a senior level HR candidate for being the quote was too upbeat and bubbly and and the correlation that that HR leader made was she's too uh, she he is too up, up, upbeat and bubbly and I'm not sure I can trust them what yeah what, what the heck yeah. is up with that is that really a thing <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's so layered, right? So I think the first piece is we have to recognize that even HR leaders have bias and judgment, and so do we in recruitment, and we have to face those pieces and really address them. I think where where this particular feedback was going crazy is that it's sort of this, it's a challenge. It's a real challenge for HR leaders and for HR pros at all levels, which is such that they're told on one hand to be incredibly data savvy business person who does HR, have the numbers, have the data, you know, be really executive mm-hmm. presence, you know, mm-hmm. almost robotic, right? And then on the other hand, we have what we consider kind of, quote, the old school HR, which might be more of what we picture of, you know, a woman in personnel. So maybe this person is really kind and gentle and coaching style and warm and the emotional intelligence is there. And I think there's this disconnect between, well, if you have one, you can't do the other, right? And so mm-hmm. it's like, oh, if they're too bubbly and warm, can they do, can they sit at a board table with a lot of executives right. and hold their own? And I, I really think it's a challenge because most people are trying to find a hybrid. They don't want to be one or the other. Um, and it's, I don't you know, know. I think it's, it's really it's, hard for the HR people who are really, who are warm. They're struggling with this. It's um you know it's it's situational leadership though, which is true yep. across any any profession any line of the business any any leader whether they be in finance or marketing or IT or HR is how are you leading or interacting with your team or with your coworkers or with your peers. Is dependent upon the situation. There are times when, yeah, I'm going to have a box of Kleenex uh, and a candy bowl on my desk because somebody's distraught, and then two hours later, right. I'm sitting presenting my budget to the leadership team. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's almost like the pendulum is sort of finding its way as it's swinging between the two worlds. So like, I'll get a lot of feedback that, you know, again, it's based on bias, but I'll hear things like, oh, they'll never cut it here. He'll get eaten alive here. You know, we move way too fast for that personality. And it's a judgment on someone being, quote, softer. And I think that that's Mm. dangerous because I think HR pros are best when they have strong soft skills. Um, And if we only create robotic HR pros who are super, you know, keen in artificial intelligence and data, that's okay. I'm all for the change, but we need to make sure we're not abandoning the other side of the spectrum. So, So, yeah, it's it's interesting. About the, so like, and, you know, I don't want to get too deep into like a client confidentiality thing or whatever, but if if this candidate was too upbeat and bubbly, and uh, and I, I really don't get the the connect or the disconnect that that meant she couldn't be trusted, but what, sure. what were they looking? What were they looking for? I mean, what what I mean? Yeah, this is I know I was sharing this with Robin because I was just frustrated during one of those tough weeks in recruiting where I was like, ah, <laughs> oh, what do I do? Um, you know, I think that they're probably in that case, trust is sometimes people see HR pros as needing to be, well, they need, of course, they need to be really trustworthy and really stern in some ways and not share too much information. But being bubbly and warm doesn't mean they're also going to be the office gossip and somehow, you know, just too friendly. So that was kind of the connotation of can, Mm. can they also close themselves off? And I think that, you know, I didn't agree with it, and ultimately I think it's it's a bias because I think the hiring manager was more stern and cold, and so then the candidate who appeared too warm yeah. was too much of a contrast. Well, and yeah. I think that uh, it, it, that also becomes, ahead. you know, the uh, that that hiring manager, that HR leader, perhaps in the past had a member of their team who – did disclose too much or was exactly. too, uh, too exactly you know forthcoming when they shouldn't have been or whatever whatever it may be so that it, it does sure. come back to that hiring manager's bias and their previous experience and I don't you know Absolutely. I just got rid of of Susie because she you know couldn't keep her mouth shut she had that same personality Susie, yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah. And I try and you know. really coach my hiring managers on this because when when we all come with bias, we have to really catch them during the interview debriefs. And so I had a client earlier this year, I placed two HR leaders with them, and this hiring team was the complete opposite. They were so receptive to feedback. They really wanted to overcome their biases. And so in the interview debriefs, they would address their biases openly with each other. It was the most amazing thing to see. So it would be something like, look, I really liked Bob, but I don't know if he has the right competencies. And someone would say, well, why do you like Bob? Well, I think I could have a beer with him. I think I could be friends with him. They're like, okay, cool. So that's affinity bias. We're, we can't hire the guy we want to have a beer with. And we would just talk about it like that. And really they hired the right people because they went through that self-awareness yeah. and that journey, even though it was hard, even though it was awkward. And at times we all sort of like, you know, it, it was, it was never comfortable really to say, I think I'm judging this person for X, but you mm-hmm. have to kind of go through that and go through the mud to get to the, to become a better hiring manager. 
Mm. It's like the work. I mean, it's almost like therapy, right? You have to do the work. You have to put it in. I think that holds true for HR, not just hiring managers. I think that holds true for HR professionals in general. When I was early in my career, which is now over 30 years, um, I had a really strict personal rule that I would not be friends with anyone that I worked with. Um, sure. because I had it in my head that, you know, I might have to fire them someday. I might have to, you know, do a layoff and I needed to maintain this kind of, you know, arm's length relationship. I mean, I'd be courteous and I'd be, you know, I guess friendly in a workplace way. Hey, how are you doing this morning, Laura? It's good to see you. But, you know, no lunches, no dinners, no, just always off on my own. And, and that was really, um, that was really a bad decision. I mean, because it sure. gave people the perception that I was, you know, full of myself and too too self important to, you know, kind of get down. It took me a while to learn that. Um, yeah. Which kind of leads into the question I wanted to ask in a sort of a roundabout way, I guess, is, um, you know, you're talking about like the roles of people and you know hiring and how they fit. Um, one of the things that it, it seems that today's HR professional, you know, there's there's tons of stuff that's changing, tons of stuff stuff that's shifting, but there's also these big trends. One is to, uh, you know, use data and analytics and AI. I just saw some – I sat through a couple presentations on AI in D.C. the other day, and it's fascinating. People are now suggesting that companies need chief AI officers to monitor the, the, the decision-making strictly from machine-driven decisions, hmm. you know, that supervisors, you need to have a human element and the starting place for that is a chief AI officer, which drifts into a whole nother podcast show. But I guess my point is <laughs> the other thread that you hear a lot, it, like work human and all these conferences that are about bringing the humanity back into the workplace. So we've got sort of man and machine, you know, conflict in, in the HR profession. Are HR professionals kind of in a rock and a hard place right now? And how do they work that out, I guess, is the question I wanted to ask. Yeah, I think completely. I think they're completely stuck between a rock and a hard place. And I think that we just really have to acknowledge it and try not to judge each other for it. So there's a, a, a sadness for me when I see HR professionals judging each other. So they might say, oh, gosh, Barbara works in personnel. You know, we're people in culture. We're much more progressive. Or do you know that Joe does benefits and payroll? He's super transactional. I would never do that stuff anymore. I'm highly strategic. And there's almost this kind of self-aggrandizing mentality of if you're the strategic HR business partner, you are way ahead of everybody else. And I really challenge that. You know, I think that we have to really admit that there are HR pros in all industries, in all roles. There's no one better or worse. The company who's doing artificial intelligence and has crazy amounts of data and robotics, frankly, in my humble opinion, is no better than the mom and pop shop where the HR lady is running paper and getting stuff done because Mm -hmm. both roles are important. Both people are important. Mm Um, And if we have this sort of weird judgment, like high school judgment within the HR ecosystem, it's hurting. It's almost self-sabotaging the industry. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we shouldn't – I don't ever want to sit at a table with somebody in personnel, somebody in HR, somebody in people in culture, and feel like there is judgment between the three. Yeah. It's – I do think that that's hurting it. Yes. I – oh, I – 
thousand times to agree with that. And, and you know, you see it in um, you see it out at conferences. You, you see it in in various assorted HR Facebook groups. Um, there's this us and them um, division yeah, that I think is us. becoming Old larger and larger. Yeah. Yes, and yep. you know, it's one thing to say stay current, um, you know, stay on top of trends. It, that's all I ask of somebody who's in HR. I want you to stay current, be on top of trends, know what's going on, be curious. Absolutely. But, but yet there's also a, a realization that everybody is not doing X, and they exactly. may not be doing X, not because they don't want to do X, but depending on the organization they're with. They may not have the budget um, for it. Yep. Exactly. You know, I, I know – I I have lots of HR friends who, um, you know, small and mid-sized companies. I've even talked to somebody not within the last year and a half with um, over 10,000 employees that until recently did not have an ATS, if you can imagine that. I mean, they had kind of this hybrid, you know, database that they had created that was funneling, you know, emails and whatever. <clears throat> but, you know, there are there are people out there doing damn good HR work um, that are probably more creative than than anybody right, because they are coming up with they have to be, and they're using spreadsheets yes. and they're they're using you know old school technology and they're doing paper newsletters because their their workforce yeah. is all in a warehouse or whatever, and uh, and that doesn't make them any and look, less. We're hearing of, it from them. Uh, you know, yes. we're, you and I, Robin, we're hearing it directly from people who come out of these conferences and call us almost in tears saying, oh, my gosh, I don't have any of this stuff at my company. I'm really behind. I'm really bad. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And, yeah. and we have to comfort them and say, look, you're also important. You're also valuable. And I just think if we can judge each other less within the HR ecosystem, it will help us externally as well. It's yeah. there's this weird, like I said, it's like this weird self sabotage happening within, which is making it hard for the HR brand externally. Yeah, people don't yeah. know where it where it falls. And to Mike's question, like where, you know, where is this position they're in? And it it is a tricky one because people are waiting for HR pros to tell them, who are you? And I think, you know, what's your role? And I think where we um, then where we see that come into play in. Um, in 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 the hiring process um when hiring an hr pro is um this this um you know we're we're better we're better than you know i'm better than they are sort of mentality becomes one of the yeah. biases in there and it becomes one of the yeah. judgments of oh well you know susie susie may susie's my candidate susie has a stellar HR career and a great background, and she's maybe even worked in my industry, but um, her organization is perhaps a little bit behind the times, and so they're they're putting that judgment on Susie, and and Completely. it's becoming Completely. you know oh and oh you know you, and you see this when it's exactly um, industry you know we only want to hire people I that see it all in our day industry. long. You know, yes. oh, you have to have worked in a so startup much. before we really yes. consider you. Yeah, um, because anyone who I, hasn't worked in a startup is awful and old school HR, and they would never right. cut it here, which is totally right. crazy, really. If we think right. about it, it's so judgy and so unfair. <laughs> right. um, 
And there are times you need someone with specific experience. There's no denying that. But yes, overall, this kind of assumption that if they worked at you know, XYZ bank, they must be corporate and rigid. And if they've worked at XYZ yeah. tech company, they must be cool and progressive. It's, it's completely based in bias. Yeah. It, it, and that kind of gets us to, you know, sort of the concept of, um, again, not just, this doesn't just happen for, for HR positions, but it, we, it certainly does. Um, what about the whole, you know, culture fit um, discussion. You know, we, we've got folks now talking, yeah. um, you know, culture fit means, oh, well, we're just going to bring more of the same old, same old in, you know, because they all look like us. It's the guy that, you know, you want to have a beer with. Um, yep. Culture fit versus culture ad, which becomes now, you know, sort of the new way of saying it. I, I kind of like culture enhancement. Um, where where do you fall mm, on that? Like when, that does, when does that, you know, fit become... Yeah. issue and you know a roadblock or an excuse sure i mean we see it all the time right we see these company photos of the hr team and it looks like a sorority or a frat house yeah. it's like <laughs> oh they hired everyone who reminds them of themselves um yeah i mean the first thing i do when i do an intake meeting with my new client and we're talking about the role is i tell them we're going to come up with competencies we're going to come up with probably 10 competencies that really summarize what we need in this person. And we're going to come up with a behavioral interview guide. I'm going to coach you on what to ask and how to ask it. Now, again, not every HR leader is open to this. Some of them feel like they should know this already, but I tell them right. keep an open mind because it's, you will be biased. It's your own team. You'll be more biased even so. So let's go through the proper structure and really have this, we need a structured interview. And then by doing that, if you're doing a competency-based interview structure, you can catch the biases because you can actually say in that debrief, well, wait a second, having a beer with someone wasn't one of our 10 competencies, so let's right. go back right. to those. Um, and let's really think about it. And it's, really it's so helpful because that's you have to kind of guide them there or else they'll just – everyone will hire the person that they like. So, yeah, yeah, I'm a big believer in diversity and inclusion, and I'm a big believer that – you can't have a truly diverse workforce if you only hire for fit. So yeah. before we even think about fit, let's just work against it. And then, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's effort. It's absolutely putting effort into the hiring process to make sure that, you know, you're using scorecards, you're coaching your interviewers, that people are kind of catching their biases and overcoming them. And like I said, it's work. And I think in recruitment, it's work for us because we have to do this fast with them, right? It's not like we're yeah. therapists that have two years to help someone get to the aha moment. We might have six weeks to get them from, I hate everyone that's not like me, to I made a good decision for the company. And it's, yeah. it is hard. And I always coach my peers in recruitment, like have the difficult conversations, even if even if it's scary, even if you're worried about their reaction, you've got to point it out. Um, so it's, it's really on us to help them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, let me do a quick It's not easy work though. We're... <laughs> no, it's not easy work. Um, <laughs> let me do a quick reset cause we're about halfway through the episode. Um, and, uh, this is drive through HR. I'm Robin schooling with my co-host Mike Vandervoort. And our guest today is, uh, Laura Mazzullo, who is, the founder and owner of Eastside Staffing, and we are talking uh, hiring for HR and recruiting for HR from both sides. 
So there's our there's our midway point. So let's let's dive back in. Great. Mike, Mike, you got a question? <laughs> I I do kind of, and it's a little bit of a shift from, I guess from fit. Um, there's you know, and this question um, coming from me is awesome. I guess the there, there's a perception, and it may be a reality. Um, that HR is kind of a female-dominated profession. I spend most of my time working in labor relations, which has traditionally been a subset of HR that has been more male-dominated, but that's changing. In fact, the conference that we did in Las Vegas a couple weeks ago that Robin was talking about at the top of the show probably had the most diverse um, crowd we've ever seen, including people with full full sleeves of tattoos, nose rings, and multiple colors of hair, um, and both men and women. So it was, it, was, it, was, it was kind of like, wow, this looks way different than our events. But my question for you, Laura, is, is HR really a, still a female-dominated profession, and do you think it will continue to be that way, if, if you agree with that concept? It's such a good question, and I actually would love to hear your opinions on this as well. I mean, I think historically – Yes, it's been mostly mostly female, which is why we joke about the quote HR lady stereotype, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's what we're used to, it's what we've seen. I think I've had a lot of HR leaders come to me and say we need men on the team, we need more diversity in terms of gender, and I think that's great. I think that, you know, when I talk to HR and diversity leaders, they they remind us it's not just about race. Yes, we need racial racial diversity, of course, but we also need socioeconomic diversity, educational diversity. We need gender diversity. We need religious diversity. I mean, we need teams that are coming from different perspectives and different points of view. So I, you know, I'm more concerned with if it's like one type of woman is the whole team, which I see a lot of. You know, I think we have yeah. to really think more broadly of what does this team need? I, I think the word enhance, enhancement that Robin used is just fantastic. Like, how can we enhance this team? What does this team need that they don't currently have? Whether it is a personality trait or a soft skill or or a technical skill or a more data savvy person, but also what background are they coming from? What perspective are they coming from? So yeah. I'm, I'm a little concerned about making it male or female, but I do think that, you know, sometimes when I'm placing a man in HR, it's the first man in the team and that is diversity and we should honor that and yeah. respect that as improvement. What do yeah. you two think? I think, um, you know, I think the, the HR lady cliche is, as with many, a cliche for a reason. Um, sure. Sort of growing up with that. And it, and it gets us, really brings us back full circle to how we started the conversation of, you know, the typical slash traditional vision of an of an the HR person in your company is, you know, Marge with the, right. with the cardigan and the pearls and, and the candy yeah. candy dutch and the box of tissues um, yeah exactly um I, I i i do tend to still see when i go to events um and especially local um you know local events or you know where it's really the folks doing the work it's it's you know the whole office comes from a company a and it does tend to, it, i do see a lot of female more females than males however that yeah. being said, I I also there's based on nothing scientific. This is just observation. <laughs> I would say over the last ten twenty years, I ha- I do see more males, especially young males, um, again uh, coming to sort of you know professional gatherings locally. Um, 
I see yep. I see folks I I see a, a larger variety of people getting into the field at an early stage. Um and that and those young professionals are much more diverse than yes, those who are fixing to retire. Yeah. I love you know, that and I would yeah, agree with that know, completely. I, I have worked in or no, I guess well, for the last five years, I haven't really worked in an HR function because I'm running a nonprofit, so that doesn't count. Um, but I think when I think of the like the last three jobs I held, you know, in in different corporate HR functions uh, in different industries, it, the company inside the company, it was always more fifty-fifty. I don't know that that was any kind of conscious decision. It just felt like you know there was there were equal equal numbers of men and women assigned at various levels throughout the organization. And you know one may have had slightly more females than others, but it never seemed like it was this wild imbalance. But when you go to conferences, it does feel like there's a great deal more uh, female attendees than male that that you see at any given time. And I can't really I can't really account, you know, for that given my, you know, sort of my internal snapshot of, of my work experience versus the HR profession at large. I've never heard Sherm or anybody cite any um, sort of any percentages, but it seems to me that it's not as great as it as it may seem uh, when you when you attend the conference. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, again, I don't know how to account for that, but I have a I feeling think- the numbers are more or a little closer than they seem on the surface. I think from the from the Sherm national and I'm going to speak national Sherm from the national Sherm mm-hmm. perspective, where it always seems to be, you know, it, it's so overly female that they I don't care what venue they're in, they end up turning you know some of the men's rooms into female right. restrooms. Um, I think national Sherm does does skew more at at the conference does skew more female. Because the attendees tend to be the doers, you know that's their one conference a year that they're, you know, that's that's you know Betty who works in benefits and and Susie who's the HR <laughs> generalist, and they're allowed to go to that, and they they know they're going to get their bang for their buck, and they go to Vegas for four days, and and so, but it's the people that do the work. That are that I think. But are that's extra. maybe a broader issue, that, right? Maybe the men. Yeah. Yeah, the men are kind of in these executive roles, and they don't leave the office for that. And so, send the doer, send the transactional, tactical HR person. Yeah. And you know that's a bunch of BS, obviously. But, but I would. But I, I, would I think it's back, yeah. Go, I would push back a little bit because I don't think the upper echelons of the HR profession at large are necessarily dominated by males. Um, I mean, I've worked for as many female CHROs, if not more, than I have for males over 30 years. Um, yeah. So there's probably there's probably a factor that we're missing in there somewhere. Um, right. But anyway, so I don't know. No, it's uh, a good point. That, I think just to tie it back to hiring, I would just be aware of it because I think that a lot of times HR hiring managers sort of forget that their own team is representative of the company at large. So if the company yeah. says it values yeah. diversity and inclusion, but the HR team is all white women, I'm not sure really what that's showing the organization as an example. I mean, I think it's really important right. that the HR team really operate as a mini ecosystem for the company at large. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. So, it, so to, to kind of stay on the gender track a little bit with this, with with all things HR and HR hiring, HR staff. What um, what about compensation? Um, you know, you you've got a good because it's your it's your business. You've got a good sense of compensation that's being paid um, or being budgeted for for HR rules. Um, what is that looking like? And and is it um, is it realistic? Is compensation unrealistic? Is are 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 companies trying to you know pay as little as they can and through the HR right folks or <laughs> all of the above right um, yeah I mean I think the the good news in New York City is we can't ask candidates what they're earning right now so they can decide right. if they want to offer that up but we can ask them what they're looking to earn going forward yep. and what their expectations are and so. Um, yes, back to the gender piece. I mean, I think for many women who have been underpaid in the marketplace, this has been an extraordinary time for them to get the raises and increases that they deserve and that they've worked for. So I've seen people really, because I often do know what they're earning just from my experience to what they're getting, it's exciting to see the jumps that they're finally um, landing. I do think that it's confusing to HR hiring managers because this usually means they have to increase budgets a lot more than they've had to in the past, and they obviously are always concerned with internal equity. So what does this look mm-hmm. like for the current team? What is Susie going to think that she makes 60 k less than Barbara? Um, and so we have to be careful about all those pieces, but I, I think in general we are educating HR hiring managers to increase the budget for the talent that they want. And in recruiting, you know, we always try to help hiring managers stay under budget, but I will say that most of the time now they're going over because of the caliber of talent that they want. And in a competitive market like this, you know, you need to bring the money to secure the best talent. So yeah. it's definitely been a big I, shift, um, though, from years in the past. And, 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 you know, then the second piece of that becomes, and this is the challenge then, is and it, is that HR leader within their organization, depending upon how that organization works and, you know, what their ability is to influence, you know, larger budget and whatnot is convincing the CEO or the CFO that they need more money to get the competencies on the HR team that they need to be successful. Right. I, I have a I have a friend right now who's an HR leader at a mid-sized company, about 300 employees or so, and she is adding a um adding a position to her team looking for a, a you know fairly senior um HR generalist and um she knows what it's here local in Baton Rouge she knows what the market pays she knows what it's going to take to get somebody at the caliber that she needs and what she's going to require them to do and she ha- she she's done the research she's got the comps she knows and she's having the hardest time convincing her CEO and CFO to basically give her yeah. an additional twenty thousand dollars a year, and sure. it, this is where the data it, is helpful. This is yeah. when it is good yeah. to bring in the data and the numbers, um, and you're more than well, willing to kind of give her my info if she wants to talk it through. I'm happy to, yeah. but I, it is a complex yeah. issue and. Yeah, I mean, it kind of is, is very straightforward. If we want this yeah. person, which we need this person, this is what it yeah. costs. It's um, a non-emotional discussion at this point. Yeah, 
in the yeah. pushback, unfortunately, she's getting, and and she's she's very savvy at leading these conversations. I I have I have full faith that she's going to get them there eventually, <laughs> but um, right. you know the pushback she's getting is. Um, Oh, surely it's not going to cost that much to get an, an HR person. Right, so again, it didn't they, cost that much five years ago. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's. I know it's, it's a so different market a every every month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I remind my hiring managers what you paid a year ago, two years ago, five years ago is not what you're going to pay today. Um, yep. The fact that you got John two years ago for 20k less is is awesome. It was a different market, so yeah. it's like real estate. You know, your house is worth what the market will pay. And so at this moment in time, HR pros are really getting very high salaries, and good for them. But that means that the budgets have to come up to accommodate that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, don't worry, the market <clears throat> will change again tomorrow. So, but it's yes, yeah, where you are in the moment. So I have a, a completely off the script, if, if there is such a thing, question based on a conversation I had with somebody the other day. Um, this particular individual, I live in Atlanta, Laura, and this particular individual works mm-hmm. in a day job as a kind of the number two person at a staffing agency. Uh, they don't do HR exclusive. They're pretty general. And then he's got a burgeoning acting career in the local Atlanta uh film and TV industry, which is kind of cool. Anyway, so I asked him, how's the, how's the acting career going? He goes, great. I just did a, you know, Rooms to Go commercial or something else. I said, how's the day job? You guys busy? He goes, we're super busy. We got all kinds of orders. Uh, staffing agency, he said, we can't find anyone to hire. Can't find anyone to fill them. And we're going to probably roll up the agency at the end of the year because of the, wow. Wow. the difficulty of filling jobs. And And I was like, Serious? I mean, in this economy, I get the hard fills. Um, that seems really out of, you know, off the off the out of scope for me. <laughs> Does that? Is, I mean, how hard is it to hire somebody today? You know, it's we are in the market of educating and influencing hiring managers, which is really the hardest work recruiters can do. So I would imagine that that firm is not doing a very strong job of helping their hiring managers get to the finished goal, get to the hire, you know. I mean, I spend a lot of time with my hiring managers at the start to define what are we looking for, how realistic are we, how open to feedback are you, can I give you tough love, can I give you difficult feedback, can I coach and guide you. If they're not receptive to that, then you're just order taking and you're letting them give you these crazy requirements and of course you're sitting on that job for eight months with no result so i think it's truly a partnership it's more than it ever has been before i think it really is you know we are not in a position anymore just to say sure mr client whatever you need we'll go fetch it it's impossible you know we have to be able to consult and let them know what is actually available in the marketplace within your budget where can you be more flexible um, what are your competitors doing, and mm-hmm. and coach them. But but I'm saying it's very scary for a lot of recruiters, and I don't diminish that. It is hard. It is hard work, and mm-hmm. it is sometimes tumultuous to have those discussions with especially HR leaders who sometimes are resistant to the feedback, but we have to really drive it home. And if we do, then it's easy to fill the jobs because you're you're yeah. doing it as a team. And they're cool. using cool. that yeah. HR leader who may seem resistant to the feedback is is really not because they're also working with you for a reason. And they right. they know that they need or want that education. They want your 
from you. They want that insight. They want that experience. They want you to push them, I think, you know? Yeah, um, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, word about... <laughs> usually. Um, yeah, usually. We're at about five minutes left, so want to... Um, Toss out a, a, a quick wrap-up question here, um, which I think will leave our, our listeners with um, with some good insight. Laura, what would you say are kind of your top tips for HR professionals when they are the candidate? Okay. I love this question. So, okay, there are three things I think as an HR candidate you really have to keep in mind. I think the first one is truly knowing what you need and want next. So being very self-aware about what's missing now, what your motivators are, and really defining what gets you excited going forward. And it's different for every single HR professional. And again, there's no judgment. There's no right or wrong. It's your journey. But I think the more clear you are, the better. I think the second piece is really being humble and open to feedback, just as I was describing with hiring managers, I think the best candidates in this market, they want insight. Help me tweak the resume. Help prepare me before the interview. Help coach me on some questions I didn't answer well. You know, how can I improve? It requires enormous humility, but it's really what helps some HR candidates stand out amongst others. You know, the people who are resistant to feedback, who feel they know everything, they are struggling in this market. It's ever-evolving. It's changing rapidly. We have to stay current. Um, and I think the third piece is really recognizing that you make a first impression with your introductory emails. You know, we're saying cover letters are gone, but I get a lot of emails from people I don't know, and some of them are written with such kindness and gratitude and graciousness, and others are written really kind of cold and dismissive. Mm -hmm. And I think you know, having empathy and compassion, it matters whether you're hiring or job seeking. You know, there's there's yeah. a human being at the other end of the correspondence, and you have to think about how does this sound? You know, maybe read it aloud before you hit send or have a friend read it and and be conscious of it. And, again, this is even if you're an HR leader, you're not immune to this kind of insight, like really thinking about does this reflect my personal brand? Am I proud of this email? Um it's it sounds simplified, but I mean it really it's it's important how you kind of put yourself yeah. forward. Yeah, and I think I, if those I three things those are there, tips. you're ahead of the curve. <laughs> yeah, and and I love those tips, and I love I love the work that you're doing. I mean, it's your business, but but you're also very good at educating people because I see so I see so many HR of our you know HR peers that are just. Um, they feel so defeated in in their yeah. job search process, and um, you know we've got we've got shitty companies, you know, who aren't giving them feedback. If they're working with a recruiter, if they're working with you, they're at least getting the feedback. But you know, they're if they're applying directly with a company and they they don't hear anything and they don't know what they're doing wrong and they feel that they yeah. um, just can't move their their career along and uh, you know i think i'm, I'm going to do a little editorial here but cause we got a minute i think we um it's it's another one of those sad things within hr I, I, I guess i've seen this for 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 years for decades we um we we cannibalize our young um so much and and we have new you know emerging young professionals coming into hr and we don't we don't give them a chance and we 
Yeah. We discard them before they've even had a chance to really blossom. And sure. it saddens me. Kind of yeah. It's it's really it's important as a hiring manager to remember the power you have to change someone's life and to make an impact. Yeah. And so being dismissive like that is very tragic and very sad. And yeah. I think the candidates who are feeling frustrated just have to remember to have empathy for the other party. Everyone's doing their best. Everyone's trying their hardest. Right. And if the person is really rude on the other end, maybe it wasn't the right place after all. And, you know, it, not every recruiter is, is good at their job. Just like, you know, it's – or I don't even like to think of it as good or bad. There are different styles. So not everyone is going to give you feedback. Not everyone yeah. is going to communicate well. And I think just – Letting that go is good. I think resenting it and letting it build up is is just going to hurt you as the job seeker more. Yeah, true. Good, um, good closing thoughts there. So um, let's do a let's do a reminder, Laura, for every all of our listeners where they can find you online. Twitter, sure. website, so LinkedIn. Yep, Twitter, Instagram, I'm at Eastside Staff, and LinkedIn, you can find me Eastside Staffing and Laura Mazzullo. Um, as everyone knows, I love Twitter. It's really fun, and I'm there a yes. lot. Yes, um, and do. then, of course, my <laughs> website is just eastsidestaffing.com, and I've got a blog on LinkedIn as well that I usually write something once a month just to kind of keep people up to date with current trends, and I'd love to connect. So, yeah, let me know you listen to the podcast, and we'll make sure that we connect there. Fantastic. Thanks for well, be- thank you so thanks much. Thanks for being on today, Laura. Sorry, you're not It's my pleasure. I'm just- so honored to have been a guest. Yeah, we definitely can talk more Wonderful. anytime, and hopefully this is the beginning of many discussions for all of us about how we can improve. Excellent. Thanks, everybody. Have a good rest of the day. Have a great afternoon. Yeah, you too. Have a good week. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.